Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit has placed on his heart for this moment. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. Join us each week, wherever you get your podcasts, to find strength, hope, and courage for the Christian journey. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Hello, sisters and brothers. I was uh, giving five talks to a group of priests in a diocese on the East Coast, and it was our annual clergy convocation. And, and what I was sensing was that priests and bishops today and us lay people too are under a lot of pressure not to say clearly what the truth is about human life, what the truth is about men and women, and what the truth is about sexuality and marriage, what the truth is about salvation, what the truth is about right and wrong. And there's just a lot of pressure in our culture to uh, cave in to what Benedict XVI has called a new ideology, a new religion, a new religion of wokeness. You know, right after he resigned as Pope, Pope Benedict gave a long interview in which he said, a hundred years ago, If anybody spoke about homosexual marriage, people thought they were crazy. And here, not only do we have homosexual marriage, but people who disagree with it are excommunicated from society. This has created a lot of fear in people today, Uh, the social pressure against being faithful to Christ and his church. uh, is very, very strong, and it's really created a lot of fear in people some people, Benedict says, are even sensing the activity of the Antichrist. And I don't think we can explain the radical changes that have happened in our culture in the last number of years, how quickly they've happened, how powerfully they've gotten, how all the levers of power are now in the hands of people who are in opposition to Christ and their church. I just don't think we can explain that without supernatural power. So one of the things I wanted to do is just encourage the priests to uh, reaffirm their confidence in the truth of our faith, or reaffirm their confidence in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, or reaffirm their confidence in the providence of God, permitting even these very negative things to happen, uh, but under his control, he's got a plan to bring good out of it. So one of the scripture passages I I wanted to share with them, I want to share with you too, because it applies to isolate people, as well as to priests and deacons and bishops, Paul is uh, passing by Ephesus. He doesn't have time to stop there. He needs to get to Jerusalem. And so he calls the leaders of the church in Ephesus to meet him in another location where he wouldn't have to divert so much from his journey. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you all the time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which befell me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul basically says here that he did everything he possibly could out of a genuine love and concern for the Ephesians with tears, with uh, labor, uh, 
proclaiming in public, but also going from house to house, not considering that any group was too small for him to speak to, not considering that any soul was less valuable. And, and if he could make a difference in their eternal salvation, he wanted to do it. And he also kind of tells us what the content of his preaching was, testifying both the Jews and the Greeks to everybody of repentance to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the core of the message. The Father has sent Jesus, and the Father's will is that we respond to the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Father's mercy, the gift of the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the offer of eternal life with repentance. Forgive me, Lord, for the falsehoods I believe. Forgive me, Lord, for the moral compromises I've made. Forgive me, Lord, for not valuing the infinitely precious gift of your beloved son, Jesus, who died for us and rose again so that we may no longer be consigned to eternal death, but they have eternal life. So repentance to God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is the core of our faith. And of course, being baptized and joined to the church and participating in the sacraments. He says, now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem bound in the spirit, not knowing what shall befall me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. For I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may accomplish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify, to testify the gospel, to the gospel of the grace of God. We're saved not because of any merits of our own. We're saved not because of anything we could ever do. As one of the Psalms says, what price could a man give for his life? We can't. We can't, we can't earn eternal life. We can't earn forgiveness of sins. But we are being offered as a gift of Christ's amazing mercy. But we need to respond to that mercy with, with repentance, with faith, with love, with the changed life by the grace of God. So, Paul's basically saying here, his goal is not on preserving his own life. His goal is on completing the mission that God has given to him. Now, every single one of us has been given a mission by God. We really, really have. If you're alive today, and I know every single one of you, you would be listening to this or watching this, you have a mission from God. You have a vocation. And you need to focus not on preserving your life, but on fulfilling the mission that God has given you, a mission of suffering perhaps for many of us in different ways, a mission of love, a mission of service, a mission of charity, a mission of fidelity, a mission of daily service to our, our families, uh, a mission of putting a good day's work in for a fair day's wage, uh, a mission of fulfilling the responsibilities of life on this earth, and a mission, of course, above all, loving the Lord our God with our whole mind, our whole soul, our whole strength, and our neighbor as ourself. A lot of times people think that it's only about being a good person. But when, when somebody called Jesus good, he said, don't call any man good. No human being is good in the way in which God wants us to be good and needs us to be good. And the first and greatest commandment is to love him with our whole mind, our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole strength. The second commandment is the second commandment. It's very, very important. But the first commandment is loving God. Father Francis Martin has written some wonderful things about how the greatest sin talked about in the uh, New Testament is the sin of unbelief, 
not believing the testimony that God the Father is giving to his beloved son, not believing the testimony of the works that Jesus does, not believing the testimony of the anointed authority with which he spoke. It says, no man has ever spoke like this. Has any man ever done these works before? No, not believing the testimony of the apostles as it comes to us in sacred scripture, as it comes to us in the church. So it's a very serious thing not to believe in the testimony that God is giving to the truth of the gospel message to who Jesus really is. Then it goes on to say, now behold, I know that all you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So Paul says he's keep getting a prophetic word as he travels that day. If he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be into big trouble. But he also feels like he's supposed to go into Jerusalem. He's supposed to prepare for big trouble. You know, later on, the Lord tells us in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, uh, what happened to him will happen to us in some measure. If they persecuted him, they persecuted us. And that's why Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill a body, but rather be afraid of those who can condemn uh, soul and body and hell. And then he said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So this is really, really important. We need to prepare ourselves not to betray the Lord. Whereas 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says, we need to be ready to give an account for the hope that we have. When, when an opportunity opens up for us to share why we are hopeful, why we are joyful, why we are not discouraged, why we are not troubled like the world is troubled while we are not slaves to fear like the, the world is slaves to fear. It's because of the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, the joy of knowing that his promise is true. John chapter 11, even if we die, we'll not die, but we'll live forever because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in him will never die. And Jesus is not just talking about biological death there. He's talking about Biological death is going to be really different for somebody who's united to Jesus. It's going to be the pathway to eternal life. And we won't experience the horror of the second death, which Revelation chapter 21 describes as the lake of fire, eternal separation from God, uh, the eternal darkness and, and, and pain and agony of never fulfilling the purpose which we were created by our own fault, by our own choice. Don't be a fool. Don't reject the mercy that Jesus is offering you right now. So whether it's a peaceful situation where we're given an opportunity to witness the Christ without the threat of persecution, giving a reason for the hope that we have, or whether there's some pressure, whether there's some persecution, like in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus warning us, you've got to choose me above anything else, including your own life. And if you don't choose me, if you're not faithful to me, if you deny me, things are not going to go well for you. I will have to deny you before my father in heaven. You've separated yourself by denying me. It doesn't mean there can't be repentance. It doesn't mean there can't be second choices, but it is a very serious thing to deny the Lord. And there's growing persecution in our culture. You can feel it, can't you? 
I mean, more and more people are being intimidated not to let on that they're a Christian. More and more people are being sort of almost pressured or bullied into burning incense to the new religion, the new religion of wokeness, the new religion of critical race theory, the new religion of actually the repudiation of the Ten Commandments, the new religion of this bold rebellion of the creature against the creator saying, I will not serve, I will not submit to your purpose, I will not submit to your will. You know, God has created us male and female, and he's given us sexuality for one purpose, to come together in holy marriage and open to new life. And any exercise of sexuality apart from holy marriage open to new life is, is a serious violation of the incredible gift God has given us of our human sexuality. And uh, this is a very challenging thing in our culture today, but we can't pretend that two plus two doesn't equal four. We can't pretend that black is white and white is black. This has always been a pressure on, on, on God's people. You know, one of the, the greatest pr prophetic denunciations of the leaders of God's people in the Old Testament is when the priests were calling virtue vice and calling vice virtue. And that's exactly the same situation we're in today. Unfortunately, it isn't just restricted to the secular culture, but that secular culture has impacted people in the church and all those warnings in the New Testament about beware of wolves in sheep's clothing, beware of false teachers and false prophets, and all those warnings in the epistles of John, which says the many, there's many antichrists that have gone out from among us, but there's an antichrist spirit, even within the church today. And we really see that. Pope John Paul II's warning about being in the final confrontation between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between the church and the anti-church, between Christ and the Antichrist is playing out right before us right now. There really is an anti-gospel right now in the church. There's really false teaching. There's really false presumption on God's mercy. There's really a de-emphasis de of the word of God in order to accommodate the culture. There really, really is. And there really is a false church. There's people really working very, very hard. Whole Episcopal conferences, like the Episcopal Conference in Germany, wanting to accommodate to the culture and de-emphasize the church's teaching, which is Jesus's teaching on marriage and family life. But we're in a very, very serious situation. So the warnings about not caving in amongst persecution, under persecution, are very relevant today in a way in which they haven't been in our whole lifetime. So that means we really need to enter into a deeper relationship with the Lord, a deeper fidelity to him, a deeper choice of him, in uh, Pope John Paul II's uh, encyclical, Mission of the Redeemer, section 46, he says, we really have to have a more radical relationship with Jesus. We really have to make a personal choice to be his disciple. Uh, we can't coast along anymore on a culture that's no longer supportive. We can't coast along anymore about, I've gone to a Catholic university or uh, I'm an Irish Catholic, or I'm an Italian Catholic, or Hispanic Catholic, or my grandmother prays for me. No, 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 that's not enough. Jesus says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, can enter the kingdom of God, but only those who themselves do the will of my Father in heaven. So the time has passed for coasting. Time has passed for believing that there's a harmony between our culture and, and Jesus. The time has passed for pretending that everything that's going on in the Catholic Church is sound. The time is here for us to reaffirm and regain our confidence in the truth of the scripture as it's preserved and interpreted by the Catholic Church throughout the centuries 
as we find it today in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So we, just like priests and bishops today, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and all of us will have to be able to say, I testify to you this today that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What does this mean for us in our life circumstances? That means that we can't, under pressure from our culture, or over fear about how people in our family are going to relate to us in the future. And this is pretty serious, too, because some of these divisions, some of these false gospels, some of this uh, apostasy is happening within our families, and that is so painful. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh, hard words, but true and just and right. Jesus has to be our Lord. Jesus has to be our personal Lord. We have to have everything in our life under his loving rule, or under his kindness, under his merciful truth. We can't put any relationship before our relationship with Jesus. And our relationship with Jesus has to be guided by his words. And he's saying, sometimes it's going to be hard to be faithful. But unless you're faithful, I can't welcome you into the kingdom. And that's just how it is. Now, he also says, when they send for you and bring you up before rulers, and this could be when you get into difficult situations in your family, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't prepare in advance because the Holy Spirit will give you what to say when those moments come. And, he's, and then he says in Matthew chapter 10, same thing about where he says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. So Jesus wants us to know that we can totally rely on his love. We can totally trust in his providential care for us. That he won't put us in a situation that he's not going to give us the grace to handle. We don't need to worry about it in advance. But we do need to have that close relationship with him. So when he gives us the grace for the moment, we're able to recognize it and receive it. So when the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say, we're able to speak them. The very end of uh, a passage in Acts that I've been talking about, Paul again talks about how he's served them with tears. He's done everything he can. He's poured out his life for their salvation. He hasn't held anything back. So now it's between them and God. And we got to realize it's between us and God. What are we going to say on the day of judgment? When Jesus says, were you willing to bear some pain, some rejection? Were you willing to be canceled, deplatformed? Were you willing even to be called nasty names by people that you love and they're close to? Were you, were you willing to be called a hater? Were you willing to be called rigid? Were you willing to be called not on the right side of history? 
in order to be faithful to Jesus and to be faithful to the salvation of those who are calling you those words. Nobody can be saved except through the truth. Jesus says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. To confirm people in error, to confirm people in their rationalizations, to, cons- to confirm people in the poison they've imbibed from the culture is not to love them, it's to do them a terrible disservice. So all of us, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, are going to have to answer, have we told people that we were responsible for because of our relationship with them or because of the opportunity that God gave to speak to them, did we tell them the truth that they needed to hear in order to be saved? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says, the people who are going to perish in the time of confusion and deception, the time of a great apostasy and the unfolding of evil in, in, in the world, those who are going to be perish are those who refuse to open their hearts to the truth in order to be saved. But how can people open their hearts to the truth if they never hear it? And there are some people in our life who need to hear it from us. And they may not be ready to hear it right now. They may reject it initially, but we have a responsibility to say it in love, in humility, with tears. You know, so many times Paul says, with tears, I say this to you, that some are making a God out of something else before the real God. Some are making a God out of their belly. Some are making a God of sexuality. Some are making a God out of food. Some are making a God out of drinks. Some are making a God out of relationships that are not in the Lord. God forbid. God forbid. The message is repentance towards God and belief in Jesus Christ. And belief in Jesus Christ means following him, taking up our cross every day, uh, telling people the truth when it's convenient and not convenient. It's not just bishops and priests that need to overcome their fear of the culture. It, it's every single one of us. And every single one of us needs to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and said, Lord, as best as I could, I've given a hope for the great blessing you've given me of eternal life. I've, I've given a reason for the hope in me as best I could. I don't have a theology degree, but I did the best I could. And we also have to be say, I haven't shrunk back from telling people the painful truth that sometimes causes pain to them, but it's the pain of a surgeon's scalpel trying to cut out the cancer of sin in them. Uh, it's not under our control. What's under our control is responding to the Holy Spirit, taking advantage of opportunities. But uh, if we don't, uh, we're not going to be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ saying, I've done what I could. We have to do what we can. And right now it's getting harder to do what we can because of the culture. That means we need that closer relationship with Jesus. Finally, verse 36 of chapter 20 of Acts. And when he had spoken thus, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept and embraced Paul and kissed him, sorrowing most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they should see his face no more. And they brought him to the ship. Paul sometimes gets a really bad rap because he speaks so clearly and so directly. But the love revealed in his heart and the affection with which people respond to him who knew that he was actually sacrificing everything for the sake of their salvation is really touching. And here we get a glimpse of it. And they all wept and embraced Paul and kissed him. Lord, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for Luke, the author of the Acts of the Apostles. Thank you for Matthew, who warns us about being faithful in the persecution. Thank you for First Peter, 
that tells us to not to neglect to give a hope for give a reason for the hope we have. God bless you. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.